Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, Browns fans. Also a shout out to Chicago Bears fans that may be tuning in by YouTube or any of the other many platforms that carry this broadcast. And thank you again for your support. This is the Oracle Speaks. I am the Village Elliot. We will tell you about the past, present, and future of the Cleveland Browns and the Chicago Bears, who are the Browns' opponent on Sunday. And specifically, I want to talk about Jim Brown and Gail Sayers. Some great players from out of the past. I'm old enough to remember both of them. And there was a time when Gail Sayers was thought to be the next Jim Brown. Maybe there's an element of truth to that claim, and let's talk about that. I've got some footage from the past, and I've got some stats to throw at you, and some memories to share. And so let's get started. Let me turn down the music just a bit. And by the way, shout out once again. This is from Free Sound Music, which is a no royalty, no copyright music service. The contributions they receive are purely voluntary. I do get, contribute to them. And if you are a video blogger, you might want to consider using their services. I really like them. They have all kinds of different music for different kinds of shows. Excellent stuff. Anyway, let's talk about the Chicago Bears and Gale Sayers. Now, it turns out that Jim Brown and Gale Sayers were not really direct rivals. They never played against each other in an NFL game. Jim Brown's last season was 1965, and you will recall that the Browns lost the NFC Championship game to the Green Bay Packers with Bart Starr and Jim Taylor and Paul Horning and all those guys, Ray Nitsche on defense, and man, they were a really good team too in 1965. But the uh, that was the last season for Jim Brown. At that time, Art Modell uh, threw down the gauntlet to Jim Brown. Jim Brown was spending the off season filming The Dirty Dozen, a Hollywood movie over in France, and that production went into overtime. And Jim Brown realized that, man, I'm not going to be able to make the first day of summer training camp. And Art Modell had a fit and said, oh, man, if you are not here by the first day of training camp, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And 
you know, you just have to be here on the first day of training camp. And so Jim Brown said, well, Mr. Modell, I've made a promise to these people from Hollywood, and they're actually paying me more money than I'm getting from the NFL. I've got a commitment to finish this movie, and I'm just going to have to honor that commitment. So I respectfully submit my retirement from the NFL, and that's that. Jim Brown walked away from the Cleveland Browns because Art Modell had to thump his chest, prove that he was, he was the boss, and he was. And so there was no Jim Brown for the 1966 season. Now, fortunately, they did have Leroy Kelly, who turned out to be a Hall of Fame running back in his own right. But the point is that Art Modell did run Jim Brown out of town prematurely. And I don't know why the fans seem to have forgotten that point, that that's on Art Modell. That was not Jim Brown just deciding on a whim to leave the game of football that he loved. It was because Art Modell basically shut him down in a contest of wills. But okay, 1965 was also the rookie year for Gail Sayers and the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears were coached by, uh, by uh, Coach George Hallis, who was, believe it or not, one of the original NFL or, uh, owners from 1920. That's right. He had been an owner for 45 years. He was also a player in that 1920 team. And they were, I think they were called the Decatur Staley's. They weren't even the Bears. I think they were Decatur Staley's, if I'm not mistaken. And they later became the Chicago Bears. Uh, which is a good thing for them because Chicago is a much bigger town than Decatur and the TV rights are worth a lot more, but they didn't really think that way back in the day. So anyhow, that's the way that that shook out. Um, Gail Sayers was brilliant from day one in the NFL and just had incredible elusiveness. And I'm going to show you that. Let me just hit some buttons on the computer here and share the screen. Okay. All right, Mr. Sayers, you are on. Let's watch this a few times. Okay, there's Gail Sayers. Oh, look at that nice trumpet music. Don't we just love it? There he goes. And I believe, okay, this is against San Francisco. This is a six-touchdown game. Look at him go. He could catch the ball. He could run the ball. He could do everything well. Runs over people. Runs around people. He can't be really caught. Oh, <laughs> crash landing. He's faster than anybody else on the field. You can just really tell that by watching these old films. There he goes running over people. Okay, here we are talking on the sidelines. I don't know that we need to see this part of the footage. Yak, yak, yak. Yak, yak, yak. Talk, talk, talk. Okay, we got it. We're, we're formulating a plan. Okay, here we go. 
And here's the pitch out. And look at the block. Watch number 63 here. Kabang. And there he goes. And I think Isaiah Crowell could have scored that touchdown. That's really one for the offensive line. Thank you very much. They did have some great talent on Chicago in addition to Sayers. Okay, now they're on the 50-yard line. Now watch him go. Almost tripped him up, but now he gets some acceleration. And now he even slows down on the way to the end zone. 50-yard touchdown on the ground. How about that? Everybody likes it. Here he goes again. Oh, wait a minute. He's washed up. He didn't score a touchdown. What's wrong with Gail Sayers? He did not score a touchdown on that play. He's washed up. Man, they're going to have to replace him in the lineup. Oh, upside down. Somersaults. But there's no signal from the officials. He did not score. Ladies and gentlemen, he did not score. He's losing it. One more try. Another somersault. This time he makes it into the end zone. Okay, that's a touchdown. Whew, okay. All right, it's all good now. Okay, San Francisco can't move the ball against the Bears' great defense. They punt it away. But look who's got the punt return. Why, it's number 40. It's Gail Sayers. Oh, my gosh. Puts on an incredible move. He can run sideways as well as front ways. And look at that. He's this is disgusting. If you're the 49ers coach, you've got to be mad that he just walks into the end zone. My gosh. They just gave up on him, apparently. But there he is. He scores another touchdown. Another touchdown for Gale Sayers. Just incredible what that man could do. He was incredibly fast. I believe, in fairness, he was actually a little bit faster than Jim Brown. He was about 25 pounds lighter than Jim Brown. I think Jim Brown was uh, 232. And Gale Sayers was a little bit more than uh, 200 pounds. Uh, and, you know, so maybe he could make moves a little bit faster than Jim Brown, but Jim Brown had incredible balance and was really had speed that was very comparable to Gale Sayers, although my, my guess would be that Sayers could probably beat him in a 40-yard dash, but I don't really know that. I don't know if we, anybody really knows for sure, but uh, Gale Sayers was just incredibly fast. Um, but anyway, you know, logically you can understand that with Jim Brown retiring in 1965, the sports media wants to know, well, who's going to be the next Jim Brown? Who's going to replace Jim Brown? What are we going to write about now that Jim Brown has been locked out of football by the wonderful Art Modell? And so the hope was that, gosh, there needs to be a new super running back to take his place, and that's why people started talking about Gale Sayers as potentially the next Jim Brown uh, as a rookie. He was so sensational. It was not that he had necessarily earned the uh, accolades as a rookie, but they, you know, people needed to write about something. So they wrote that, well, maybe he's going to develop into the next Jim Brown. Now, it turned out that his career was cut short by injury, so we never really got a chance to really find out what his ultimate potential was going to be. Um, but yeah, in 1969, 
he suffered a knee injury, which would not be that big of a deal in today's NFL. But back then, they just were not able to repair knee injuries as effectively as they are today. And uh, so, therefore, uh, his career was just never the same. He did come back and... Um, Excuse me, I think that was 1968 that he got injured and he came back and had a good year in 1969, but it was not a great year. It was not the same kind of sensational uh, yardage that he had had previously. But, okay, let's talk about Jim Brown now, shall we? Oh, but first, before we do that, I want to take some time to talk about a public service me uh, message. The Cleveland Browns, in fact, Jim Brown was a civil activist, a social activist. Browns are still at it. They have a number of initiatives uh, that are called uh, either Browns Give Back or also uh, Be the Solution, which allows you, the fan, as well as the players to participate in a variety of uh, charitable initiatives that support education, uh, that combat poverty, that support local businesses in the Cleveland area, um, that help against uh, fight against drug addiction and some of the problems that people encounter in the inner city. There's a number of ways that you can contribute to society to give back if you feel that you've been blessed and want to share. One of the great people that have contributed over the uh, past few years is Anthony Walker. He was acquired by the Browns after playing a number of years in Indianapolis. He is the nominee for the Walter Payton Man of the Year, and if he wins, he's going to have $35,000 that will be contributed to a charity of his uh, choice. I urge everybody to support his candidacy uh, for that great prestigious award. Uh, and, okay, so there are a number of initiatives that the Browns support. This is just one. You might have seen them outside the, the stadium. And thank you to the volunteers that helped cooperate with the Marine Corps in order to gather uh, toys for TOTS. That's just one thing that the Browns do. They do this every season. They do a lot of things to give back to the community. I hope everybody understands that the Browns are way out in front in terms of being able to uh, contribute to the local community in a number of ways. Uh, and uh, they just have always been that way since 1946. And Andrew Barry has done nothing but continue to build upon that legacy and expand it. So I have, hope everybody understands that. Uh, I'd like to pause for just a few seconds of my time, and it'll be a few minutes uh, to allow Johnny Cleveland to make a few announcements and pass on a few messages from our sponsors that allow us to keep on producing great productions through the Fanatical Ellis Network. Okay, so I'll pause for a few seconds now. And we're back. And now it's time I want to talk about uh, Jim Brown. Okay, here's Jim Brown. I want to start with, this is ridiculous. This is a 
three yard run. I'm just going to show this a few times. Let me see if I can blow this up. Well, doggone it, this thing doesn't seem to want to expand. But okay, I think you can see uh, Jim is taking the handoff and he's running horizontally just for three yards and he continues to run and get into the end zone. This is against the Dallas Cowboys. And it's just unbelievable that he's able to maintain his balance and run. I don't know how he does it, but he did it. Incredible. All right, let's go to another, um, not that one. Here, here's the highlight reel I'm looking for. There we go. Here's Jim Brown. Okay. He didn't go down. What happened? There he goes and he changes direction. He's still going. Come on, let him, let's show the whole play so we can watch him score. Come on, guys. There he goes again. It looks like he should go down, but he doesn't go down. Running left, that's the brown sweep as usual. Runs over people, runs through people. Just bounces off and keeps going. He's unbelievable. Okay, we're starting over again. I'll watch this one more time. Changes direction. Cuts to the middle of the field. Runs past everybody. Okay, there's Dr. Frank Ryan passing the ball to Jim. Kaboom. Okay, that's where we picked up, where we started from. Guy is incredible. Just unbelievable. Unbelievable. How does he do it? I don't know how it's possible. Uh, but I also wanted to show the uh, the social activist side. Okay, you will recall, or I will recall, I'm old enough to remember this. A lot of people don't know, probably, that uh, Muhammad Ali was in trouble back in 1965 because he wanted to declare conscientious objector status and um, it was ruled that he could not do so by an all-white uh, panel of judges, I guess, or jury. I'm not sure exactly who made that ruling, but at any rate, he was denied conscientious objector uh, status for his uh, religion. He was a Muslim, and so the athletic community was called together by Jim Brown of the Cleveland Browns and they decided to have a forum to decide whether to support him or not and you know they said look we need to take a stand whatever the stand is we ought to make it as a united group rather than everybody sound off and just have their own opinions one way or the other they also invited uh, Carl Stokes who later became the first mayor of a major American city Cleveland and um, so there's uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, then known as Lou Alcindor, and um, Muhammad Ali, Bill Russell, the Boston Celtics, John Wooten, the Cleveland Browns, 
and um, just many, many other uh, great sports personalities of the day. And um, they decided ultimately that they would support uh, Muhammad Ali in his position. And you know that was not popular back then. A lot of people thought that these people should be banned from playing sports, that they had no right to take political positions, that this was totally out of line. Um, and that you know that, that they were you know way 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 uh, outside of uh, what they should be doing. They should just play sports and not take political positions. But Jim Brown said, "No, uh, we need to use our popularity as a platform to call attention to a important uh, political issue of our time." And ultimately. Okay, if you're going to say that all these black athletes were wrong, well, the United States Supreme Court ruled the same way. They ruled that, in fact, Muhammad Ali was entitled to conscientious objector status, and that's the supreme law in our land. And so that's the way that it, that it went, and... Uh, Muhammad Ali went on to regain his heavyweight boxing title, and that's recorded in history. That's part of the legacy of Jim Brown. Now, you can complain all you want about Jim Brown, and there are a number of blemishes on his record, and I'm not making uh, uh, any cover-up of that in any way. If you don't like Jim Brown, that's fine. But it's also part of his legacy that he attempted to participate in social justice and economic development in the local area, including Cleveland, Ohio, when he could. That's just what he was attempting to do. He was not just a football player. He was a multidimensional personality. He participated in Hollywood, uh, continued to make movies after the Dirty Dozen, despite the unhappiness of Art Modell. He continued to act in Hollywood movies for his entire life. And he continued to support different social justice causes his entire career. He also continued to have personal problems his entire career. And if you hate him for that, that's you know that's your decision. That's up to you. Uh, you know, there's different aspects to Jim Brown's personality. What can I say? It's certainly up to you to decide. Uh, how you want to view him, and what's important and what's not. Uh, I also want to talk a little bit about the overall uh, athletic accomplishments. I mentioned that, that Gail Sayers never really fulfilled his promise, partly because of injuries. He only went over 1,000 yards rushing twice in his career. Jim Brown did so every season of his career except for twice. It was 1962. Um, he had gotten kind of banged up, I guess, in Paul Brown's last season. Uh, followed that year up with 1,863 yards in 1963, I believe. And uh, also his rookie year, he did not make 1,000 yards. But every other season, he made 1,000 yards or more on the ground. Just really incredible. But that's not all that he did. Now, the best article that's ever been written about Jim Brown's athletic career as a whole. I think it was uh, 
actually written by me. It was, appeared in Dog Pound Daily on May 29th, 2020, and it was called Flashback Friday. Cleveland Browns, Jim Brown was good at everything. And let me just talk about some of the things that he did. And, uh, you know, first of all, he was a decathlete and track star in, in uh, high school. He uh, had 13 varsity letters in football, lacrosse, basketball, track, and baseball, among others. He threw two no-hitters as a pitcher, and he was a winner of the Nassau County High Jump Championship. And then at the university, he still continued to run track. And at one point at uh, Syracuse, he uh, won the high jump and javelin in a track meet, placed second in the discus, and helped his team, Syracuse, beat Colgate. Then the same day, he played in lacrosse and led his team to a 8-6 win over Army. So that's kind of amazing right there. Two competitions in the same day, much like Deion Sanders did uh, for... Uh, you'll recall that uh, he played multiple competitions, football and baseball, on the same day. Very amazing accomplishments by Deion Sanders. Okay, so he also participated in the decathlon 1955. That was the signature event for Jim Thorpe, you'll recall, in the uh, Olympics. Jim Brown did not win an Olympic gold medal, but perhaps if he had trained for it like Jim Thorpe did, he might have actually been able to do that. Um, so, the, uh, there were other things that Jim Brown did that, um, were, uh, equally amazing. Uh, Jim Brown was a basketball player. Um, not everybody is aware that he was a star at Syracuse University in basketball. He scored 15 points per game as a sophomore, although ultimately Syracuse had this unofficial rule that you couldn't have three African-American players on the court at the same time. And, well, Mr. Brown got kind of, uh, how shall I say, disenchanted with the team because of this rule, and he was right about it, by the way. And so he ultimately decided to leave the team because of that rule. And um, I don't think I could blame him for that. I think that's probably the right move. Um, also in football, let's talk about college football. I want to talk about the fact, did you know that Jim Brown was a star defensive player as well as offensive player? He played defensive back and led his team in interceptions as a safety. He also was the place kicker for the team. And the one time, um, he, he scored a record number of points by scoring touchdowns on the ground and also kicking extra points. The, um, he also returned kickoffs on special teams led the nation in kickoff return yardage in 1955. Okay, here's the stat I was looking for. He scored 43 points on six touchdowns and seven extra points. One game, 43 points. Okay, eight interceptions in his three-year varsity career. Uh, he was selected by 
um, ESPN as the best college football player of all time. Yet, he was sixth, sixth, sixth in the Heisman Trophy voting that season, which was won by a quarterback, Paul Hornan, who became obviously a halfback for the Green Bay Packers uh, in the NFL. Now, Hornan led his team to a 2-8 and eight record. 2-8. and eight. Okay, remember that's Notre Dame, though, very popular team. And he had uh, three touchdown passes and 13 interceptions. He threw for 913 yards, while Jim Brown rushed for 986 yards. But Horning was, oh, Horning was a safety. Played both ways. Well, so did Jim Brown play safety. And uh, Horning also was a place kicker. But Jim Brown was also a place kicker. Horning also added 420 yards rushing. So there's no doubt that Horning was a very talented player. But let's read the numbers again. 2-8-1 and eight, one loss record for the quarterback. 3-13 and 13 touchdowns. 3-13 to 13 touchdowns to interception. Now realizing this is back in the day, but 3 touchdowns to 13 interceptions. 913 passing yards. 913. Only 913 passing yards. 420 rushing yards. I don't care if it was the Stone Age. Uh, that was a matter of some controversy in 1956, and really it's kind of embarrassing. And maybe, you know, it has to do with the way that they voted, that there were a number of candidates, and the voting was split in several different directions, and somehow he wound up with the maximum number of first place votes, but uh, it was really an embarrassing uh, win for Paul Horning. Now, now, it's not his fault. Okay, don't blame Paul Horning, blame the writers. In that day, there's no polite way to say this, but you just couldn't give an award of this magnitude to an African-American player. It just was not going to happen. It's simply the truth. You just couldn't do that. Um, part of it also was that Syracuse just wasn't getting much national attention. People may not have known that much about Jim Brown, but they knew who Paul Horning was because Notre Dame was a very well-known team. It was just really one of the most popular teams in the country, even with a losing record. But nevertheless, bottom line, 1956 Heisman selection process was a joke. It was a joke. All right. So we talked about basketball. We talked about track. We talked about football. There was just nothing that Jim Brown couldn't do. He's also, by the way, considered by many at the time to have been the greatest college lacrosse player of all time. Now, there might be other people that you would care to nominate. To, oh, this guy was better than Jim Brown or that guy. But Jim Brown was, you know, I'm not a lacrosse expert. I can't really say. But I think most people would put him certainly in the top five. And at the time that he played... I don't know that there was anybody that was any better than Jim Brown. At the Judging him against his peers, I don't know that there was anybody that was a bigger star in lacrosse. And you know that may be considered a minor sport, but in certain sectors, especially in the eastern United States, lacrosse was a very big deal. Jim Brown was a superstar in lacrosse. 
as well as football. Uh, and Jim would always say that he was the, you know, that was his favorite sport. He actually liked lacrosse more than football. And if he could make as much money playing lacrosse, he probably would have done it. So that uh, is the picture of, of Jim Brown, the athlete. It was not just a football player. He was not just a running back. He was a defensive back. He was a place kicker. He did everything well. He played basketball. He played lacrosse. He played baseball. He, he did everything. He was a decathlete. What didn't he do? He was incredible. Movie star. Uh, got to co-star with Raquel Welch, the sex symbol. Man, I'll tell you what, it was an incredible life. And yeah, I, I think in, in retrospect, with the, Gail Sayers' career cut short by injury, there was no question that Jim Brown had the much more spectacular career, the much more complete career, and uh, he must be the greatest uh, player of uh, our time. Um, we might, if you wanted to pick a quarterback, I think it's between Otto Graham and Tom Brady, but in terms of who played the game of football at the highest level, in my mind, it's, it has to be Jim Brown as the greatest of all time. Uh, Gail Sayers is also very high on the list, and I think that the historic desire to compare him to Jim Brown, that really was something that rose out of the fact that Jim Brown retired, uh, was forced out of football by Art Modell in 1965, and sports writers were looking for a replacement at that time, and Gail Sayers was the most exciting player in 1965, and they were looking for him to become that, um, that heir apparent, if you will. But it really didn't, really didn't hold water necessarily over the course of a career. It wasn't something that that uh, uh, people were not actually driven to that conclusion by the facts. Let's put it that way. Anyway, that's what I had to say. Uh, both of their ghosts will be at in attendance at the stadium on Sunday. It's going to be a great game, I'm sure. I don't know who's going to win, but it will be definitely a game with a lot of memories. By the way, the last time, or the, the, the only time that Gale Sayers played in, against Cleveland in his career, the Browns uh, won, but Gale Sayers gained more yards than Leroy Kelly. Bill Nelson passed for about 290 yards, which was just an insane total. And the Browns just barely won. I think the score was something like 28 to 24. In fact, let me just boot that up. Um, this was, okay, here it is, November 30th, 1969. And yes, it was 28 to 24. And uh, the Browns were 8, 2, and 1. And the Bears, oh, the poor Bears, they were 1 and 10, but they played really well. Bobby Douglas for the running quarterback was the quarterback for the Bears and um, the star of the game was Gary Collins the wide receiver who had a pile of yards over a hundred yards and receiving yards and uh, 
maybe uh, Bill Nelson might have been the MVP after throwing for 290 yards, which was incredible for a quarterback at that time. And Leroy Kelly had 15 attempts for 41 yards. And let's see, Gail Sayers had 20 attempts for 126 yards. For, so for that game, he was the old Gail Sayers. But uh, 1969 was the last really good year that he had. He managed to hang on for two more years, 1970, 1971. But he never really regained the form that he had in his first four years in the league. That concludes the broadcast for today. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll talk to you again real soon. Take care, everybody. Go Browns, and we'll look forward to see what happens on Sunday.